Hey everybody, how's it going? Hey Fooksters, welcome back to What the Fook. Sounds like uh, you guys are becoming good friends with ours, of ours, I guess. Of uh, me and Roberto's here of uh, the show. Yeah. Uh, how many episodes is this? We're at episode thirty-five. So thirty-five episodes over, I think, over a year, uh, where we basically talk about our lives and basically the startups that we do, the science that we do. No, sorry, and I just had lunch yeah. with my uh, coworkers. Okay. And we, we, we had a good conversation. I wanted to maybe continue the conversation, but here, because that's what this podcast is about. It's about the journey of entrepreneurship and, you know, doing things that are not normal and genius is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And so you get to see us try to do what we try to do. And we, we failed a lot actually on the show. Uh, so let me start with the failures and then we'll, we'll, we'll start, we will go to the other stuff that's actually successes, right? So the failures were that when I started the show, I was kind of a hot ass thinking I had invented something amazing <laughs> and we're going to do this mass realty thing. And a year later, two years later, uh, after I had this idea, basically we're basically not funded yet. Right. In terms of the series seed that we want, we were supposed to get funded, but all these VCs basically walked away because they couldn't figure out how we can make money. Well, that's uh, what we had. Well, no, no, I'm talking about the Fook Labs. Okay. And then Mass Realty, we're trying to get things off the ground, but right now we haven't got anything off the ground. We basically have the same, well, I, I, I updated the code recently and Roberto's getting the ClickFunnels recently. And then yep. Nick, uh, someone who we found that might be a partner, he's trying to get into this thing, but he actually, just to let Roberto know, he met with me once, he met with me twice, and then this week he didn't meet with me, but then he pinged me yesterday oh, saying man. I'm sorry, and he's going to meet with me today, but then I said, well, we meet Monday instead. So he seems okay. like he may be truly interested, but I would say right now, like we're both th those pretty tenuous situations, but actually hopeful, <laughs> I think, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Man. It's all about that. And like, if something that I feel that we haven't, we haven't lost so far is our hope and our resilience. And like, we have a good idea and we're seeing it through even regardless of all the extra people that got added throughout the situation. And that just like flaked out. We like, we're we're closer than we were, which is a good thing. Right. Because we, mm -hmm. we, we basically figured out what we did wrong. Yeah. And you can't yeah. learn from what you do do wrong, except you can't you can learn that that way is wrong. So let's say uh, this is actually something that is actually very interesting to talk about, which is how do you win? How do you have success? Is it by doing things that are wrong, failing, and then learning from your failures? And I would say no, that's not how you win. I'm absolutely mm -hmm. sure about this. The way you win is depends on the situation, but it's always number one, learn from success. Because yep. let's say you have a problem set in front of you. You have A, B, C, D, E, F. Those are possible solutions. Let's say you try A and you get A wrong. Well, you still have to guess which one of the other ones is the right answer. Okay. Yep. So if you did something wrong, the only thing you learn is that A is not right. Okay. But there's many, many other choices in life. Actually, most of things in life is infinite choices. A very, very long list of choices. Like which guy should I marry? Which girl should I marry? Right? All, you know, what college should I go to? What, you know, what job should I take? Those jobs aren't A, B, C, or D. They're not four options. There's, there's thousands of options, hundreds yeah, of options, at least, right? And so you don't learn 
except you learn to avoid the same mistake. Now, when you do something successfully, though, if you know the answer is Z or F or J or whatever letter, when you have the same question again, you know how to answer it immediately. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, I feel that we're only like bound or limited by our own field of vision. Like there's some things that we we don't want to see, even if the options are there. Like you're saying, like, just in your job and sometimes search. we're in the weeds. We think things are successful with the lens, and then mm -hmm. we come out and we realize that's not successful. And then we go in with the lens and out, and basically the struggle is the fun part. Like yeah, I'm like right now, I'm poor. I'm I'm dirt poor because I took all my money. By the way, the good news. Okay, let's go to the good news. The good <laughs> news is Fook Labs has a kick-ass team. We finished our product. We're on Republic now, yep. and on Republic we were supposed to have a dip. Once we go live, but we started at 41,000. We're still at 41,000. There was no dip. Nothing. So according to Republic, like, uh, the average dip for the first week you're live from the test page. So we have this test page mm -hmm. where we're able to raise a certain amount of money on just, just promises. Like, hey, I promise that when you guys go live, I'll go to your, you know, when your birthday comes, I'll come to your birthday party. Uh, when your New Year's party comes or Thanksgiving, whatever, I'll come to your event. Now, most time, most of the time, depends on the the loyalty. Yeah. If it's your dad's birthday, you definitely coming to the birthday you show party. Up. Yeah. <laughs> if you like Fook Labs, you're definitely gonna invest in Fook Labs. Yeah, and and what I did notice is that the money didn't dip, but the people did. So some people put in more cash after this. And I believe that there are some people who are also gonna come in more after we start marketing because I haven't even marketed yet. I haven't I haven't hit my my network. I didn't hit my the 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 people who promised they would email for me. I have I've teed up a bunch of people who know that we're going to go live, and once they they know, they can email the constituents. And I want to okay. do like little tests where I say, okay, so as an entrepreneur, you have to know and learn from your successes. Yeah, but you have to gauge how much value that success is. So how valuable is that email from that friend, right? Your friends and family. So when I send my friends and family, I expect maybe two people. Okay. Okay. Because I don't know how many though? I don't like you know. I don't know. I don't have that many friends and family, right? I just I'm just have a small <laughs> circle. Some people have a big circle because I came to this country yeah. as an immigrant, right? I don't have any cousins who live here or anything like that. They're all in Vietnam. I, I don't know the people in Vietnam either because you know I don't live there, and mm -hmm. so it's one of those situations where some people have a big circle, some people don't have a big circle. But you've been there your, your whole life, though, no? Like you did your high school and everybody. Well, I'm talking about the inner circle. So, so that's okay. like the, yeah, but yeah, I went like to a small high school. My grade was 43 boys, right? And my college, okay. you know, I only knew some people. I didn't know everybody. Mm -hmm. And also I was busy working and doing other stuff. So I don't make friends like that easily either because I'm busy, but also, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a tough guy to get along with sometimes, right? <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't like all people either. <laughs> so it's a two-way street. So some people yeah, don't like, you know, dealing with too many people. And basically your network is up to you. Mm -hmm. but I'm also kind of an introvert to some degree, right? And so therefore, I don't have a huge network. That's okay. What you need to do then is you need to basically have relationships that are deeper then. Yeah. So deep. in my case, I try to get deeper relationships and focus on fewer and deeper relationships. And then when your deeper relationships see you succeed, some of them will, will say yes, some will say no, but do not count on that. Friends and family, they're not going to really carry your company. They can make you feel good and actually make you feel guilty because you might lose that money. 
So like, don't really count on that too much. Count on like organizations that you belong to, right? Let's say you belong to, no. like I said, like Harvard, right? They love Harvard Alumni Association or the Harvard Network itself. Go ahead and go do that, right? They just, but they don't really know you, but they know of your brand, yep. your certain yeah. quality, right? And then so go to your concentric circle. The middle circle is your family, friends, but that's small, right? The the mm-hmm. the, the bullseye, the bullseye yeah. is very small in the middle. Right, that's very small. Yeah, yeah. Then you go to your your other network and out, and then your community and all that stuff, and then you have to do what's called growth hacking. So growth hacking is when you try to hack opportunities that are not normally there, and you create something out of nothing. It's basically salesmanship, right? So what we want to do is we say, okay, what's our unfair advantage? What's the one thing that we can do that no one else can do? What's the thing that people want to buy? How can we emotionally capture their attention? And so we have to go and try experiments and try all that stuff. But the great thing about Fook Labs is we figured out what we want to build. We built it, and we finished building it. We don't have to sell it. Like we don't have to sell it to anyone. We just go ahead and use the 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 device, the the technology we build, and we go ahead and buy the inputs. And then we use the machines to process the inputs. So, for example, we go out and we buy um, scrap metal, and we buy battery components, scrap battery components, right? And we go ahead and sort it, and then we sell it. So the lesson there from the failure of not fundraising uh, earlier a couple of months ago was we had a more complicated story. Our story was we would have customers, we would have sales. We would have customer success teams. We would have to spend marketing dollars, and marketing is about forty percent. Is forty percent like four out of six dollars? Four, four, four out of ten dollars you raise, right? Six dollars you spend on yourself and actually your product and, and your company, but the four dollars goes to Facebook and Google and some company like that for advertising. Okay, that's a lot. So what what? You know, as a CEO, as a founder, I said, you know what? We were too complicated. We had too many moving parts. So we basically said, let's get less fancy. Let's go to the core. Let's go to the thing that makes us special. What makes us special is the device using new laws of physics, using information itself, not matter, not energy. Except for the energy to get the information, so there will be energy involved. The only thing we need is the energy. Once we have the energy to get the information from the camera, from the lighting system, from the computer, from the brain, right? We can then shoot these particles. And I basically just got out of a meeting with my uh, coworkers. And we're shooting like twenty particles a second, you know, ten particles a second. So think of it like little coins. You get little coins, and people are doing cryptocurrency and Bitcoin mining and all this stuff, and then investing in crypto. Yep. Why are you investing in crypto when you're actually doing virtual coins? These are real coins. They're small little pieces of copper, small pieces of gold, small pieces of something valuable, maybe small pieces of something un- that you don't want. Right, that's something that you need to remediate. We can remove it from the system. 
we can take it and we can recycle it and we can use it again or we can get rid of it because it's harmful. It's revolutionary. It is. And the reason we went on Republic was to allow regular folks to invest and be part of it. Um, and that's why I did the show. But we have like 50 people on the show. So watching the show, but that's okay. Because it wasn't <laughs> about the many people, right? Because I'm kind of an introvert. It's about deeper connections to the people who actually care. And I'm actually quite happy that maybe some of the people on the show listened to the show and actually were part of that Republic campaign. Because we don't need that many people. We need like 2,000 people total. We have 100 people to get to the million dollars yep. that we want. But the good news is I have a plan, right? The plan is keep it small, keep the team really small. And let me give you some numbers, some real numbers from an entrepreneur who actually done it before, right? My last company, Clinical Research IO, I raised $800,000. We raised $800,000 for the first round. I spent a year coding it myself. So the $800,000 paid for my salary basically for a year of not having to do any other stuff, right? That, that you know, I normally have to do. And I locked myself in the temple. I started coding. I had an assistant. She was also like, I think she was like 50K a year. Okay. And then had a, a, a contract uh, person who was actually became a VP of engineering because that was the plan. He was contracting for a while. But basically full time was me and the, the, the intern essentially. Mm-hmm. And I was coding for like a whole year, a year and a half. And actually mostly, mostly like a year, right? And I was done. And then we went to this conference and then we came out and at the conference, you know what happened at the conference? They said the future of clinical research. So this is a clinical research conference in Florida, right? Yep. And it's the biggest conference in the industry, right? It's a society of clinical yeah. research professionals, right? Uh, SCRS actually. And the keynote speaker said, the future of clinical research is to use e-source is to use the thing we just built. We built what's called eSource. eSource is the ability to take your source data, something you would normally write on a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. and you put it into a tablet or a phone or a computer. It's actually electronic now. We take paper and you make it electronic and it's gonna change everything. The vision was that with eSource, these pharma companies, the way that it would work before was the pharma companies would have to fly to every doctor who did research for them and audit their books, audit this their papers. Yeah. Like just, and they would have to keep that like, paper for like 10 years because it was the original source. And so like that's because of regulatory, that like the FDA requires, it's called part 11. Anything? Yeah. What's assuming that? Every, there wasn't a flood or a fire or anything like that. No, they that, have they, to. This was, Okay. They, they have to have multiple yeah. copies. They have to have copies because okay. it's called part 11, right? So part 11 is because people did fraud before. Uh, during a research trial, doctors made fake data. The research did fake data. They signed off fake data. Yeah. And there was no paper trail. There was no paper trail to see who did what, who was the one who lied. Okay. Who was the one who did fraud? And so what you need to do is keep all this paperwork and you have to have certain things be signed a certain way and certain evidence and certain people sign off and say, I did this, I did this. You have to initial every page of of everything you do. You have to basically sign off that you did this. But with a tablet, we know it's you, you logged in. 
We yep. know yeah. all the stuff you typed real time. And you, we also keep a log of all the changes that you make. Like you make a change. I, I, this used to be A. This patient used to have uh, um, diabetes, but yeah. I made a mistake. Oh. And here's the reason why. I made a mistake because they said they had diabetes, but actually they just said they may have diabetes. And I, mis- I oh. misheard them. So that's, that's basically a, a correction. And here's mm-hmm. the reason why. So when the FDA audits that and say, hey, how, how come you change this data from this to this? There'll be a reason why. And then maybe that's a deviation from the protocol. Maybe that's okay. something that goes wrong. Maybe there's someone lied. Maybe someone actually did fraud. And so they can actually have a paper trail. And so that is what we did. That's called eSource, right? And the speaker was saying, this is the future. You should do this. And we were the first one who actually had a live product. And there was a booth. And at that booth, I remember very clearly, it was me and my partner. Me and my partner, that's it. And we had like a couple of people come by. A couple of, some people were curious. But I remember the last booth, last time we oh, went yeah, to the same conference, mm-hmm. right? The same small booth, the same humble booth that was like bullshit, you know, very, very, very small banners, very small like, posters <laughs> and like very, very poorly made. Everyone had beautiful, like nice, you know, $10,000 yeah, systems. And we had like, you know, a $500 printout and whatever it is, like some stupid business cards. And like the same, if you go to the booth right now, if you go to the clinical research IO booth mm-hmm. at that same conference today, we have, I think, 60 employees. We have probably the biggest booth at the conference. Everyone who goes to that conference has used our system or know of our system. We have more than 1,000 out of 3,000 possible clients in the, Uni- okay. in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like, have like probably this is here, like. How, how do you feel about this? I mean, like the change that you had, because like you said, you had all these other amazing booths that were just smoke and mirrors when everybody, when you were the ones that had the product that everybody needed. But so, see, you know what they sold at that booth? Yeah. You know what we sold at that booth? What? We sold my magic book, my magic spell book, mm-hmm. my magic that I wrote. So what happened was, I'll tell you what really happened. It wasn't a startup. It was a wizard. It was a wizard and a, an apprentice wizard. And together for a year, they crafted a spell. This spell was able to encapsulate the stuff we talked about into a magic device. This magic device works with spells like ours. This spell can be downloaded into the device from a store on the device. And once you download this and or, or you go to the, the spell area, right? Then you can basically use the spell, but who wrote the spell? The wizard. Now the 60 people there today have changed. It's no longer me and my partner only. It's like other people. It's the same spell. It's the same device. And 10 years from now, it's the same spell. A thousand years from now, it's the same spell. It has changed and improved over time because other wizards came and improved that spell. But I was the one who cast that spell. Same thing with my apprentice. And at Fook Labs, we did the same thing. You know, so it's if you think about it that way, we're the ones who cast this first spell ever. And because of the spell, people are using it every day to help Knowledge, to find knowledge, to find medicines, 
to find cures, to find science, right? And to do things that are amazing with the spell. And I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but simpl- Labs is the continuation so of that. Things. Yeah, no, it simplified so many things. And that way you can allocate resources and somewhere else. Like bookkeeping was taking like so much of resources that wasn't, wasn't really important. Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to say. Magic is real. People should study computer science because computer science is spell casting. When you go to Hogwarts, you learn how to direct energies. You learn how to direct magical objects. You learn how to direct things with instructions. Those instructions tell those magical things what to do. But you take a tour of Universal Studios today and you see the Hogwarts made with technology. Have you been to Universal Studios? I haven't, man. It's on my my bucket list for sure. They have a Hogwarts. They have a Hogwarts um, area, right, where you can go and go to Hogwarts, go to Harry Potter land, basically, right? Yeah. yeah. And they sell these wands. And I I don't don't have the – I actually have the wand downstairs. It's a wood wand. (laughs) The wood wand has a USB device or some type of device with Bluetooth in it. Okay. If you wave the wand at certain spots in the GPS, then certain things will happen in the window where a video would, would play. Oh, nice. Or some type of robotics would start moving, and it looks like you cast a spell to turn the sprinkler on. That's amazing. So, it's, so it's packaging. It's packaging, you know, the, when you clap on and clap off the lights? <laughs> that still exists. Yes, I remember that. That's, it's packaging that in a story. About how you clap this wand on the stone, the lights would turn on. That's nice. Yeah. So the same technology where you clap on and clap off a light, you just take a wand and you tap on, tap off, and the light turns on and off and the kids go wild. Well, of course. It's all the showmanship. It's amazing. Imagine you're so what's the difference between magic and technology? Nothing. It's a magical device. Information. You give it instructions. And then something awesome happens that you don't expect. Yeah. Well, that's what we were saying like before. Like At some point, when you have enough information and knowledge, you start understanding everything. Exactly. So can, and that's yeah. why I kind of want to talk about the woo-woo stuff. Okay. No, let's get there. So here's the deep science, guys. What I'm trying to say is information is the third force of nature. Information is God magic. Let me explain to you what that means. I'm going to coin the word God magic, maybe the word exists already, but it is in this specific way. God magic is when you realize that there's an observer in the experiment as a scientist. Okay. So Sir Isaac Newton, right? With Sir Isaac Newton, remember the story of how the apple fell and landed on his head? Imagine you're the observer and you're the one who dropped the apple. You basically become God in the experiment. You become the observer. Okay. Assuming, assuming like if, if it was deliberate? No, I'm just saying, who's, who dropped that apple? How did the apple drop on Newton's head? Who, who let go of the apple? That is the question that the scientists never asked. And I asked that summer of 2020. I said, who let go of the apple? When, how, was it random? If so, how was that randomness created? 
If it wasn't random, then it was intentional. Which one is it, Roberto? Was it random or intentional? Well, I feel for the amount of coincidences to have to happen in that precise moment, it can't be random. Doesn't matter. That's the answer. That's hmm. what I came up with. It doesn't matter because you create the computer simulation. The computer simulation, the spell that you would have to cast, it's the same spell. Okay. The same result happens. The apple falls on Newton's head. It doesn't matter whether it's intentional or random. But what does matter is the information of when it happened. Mm -hmm. If you twisted the apple, if you let go of the apple a certain way, if you push down when you let go, if you pull up when you let go, the way you let go, the laws of the universe, right? All those things together, I put in my head and I said, you know, all you need to know is the laws of the universe. You need to, you need to know the time that the decision was made and you know, you need to know the way it was let go. Well, I feel there's another aspect as well. I mean, like you have to kind of like hope or like figure out who it happened to as well. No, no, yeah. Yeah. You have to know the, the current state of the universe yeah. as well. So, you know, you need to know the chess board where the current chess pieces are. And if you hit play, if you hit play, once you know the time, once you know the, the rules of the universe, the rules of the chess, where the chess pieces are, you can play the game all the way to the end until the apple lands and you actually you know exactly how the game ends. You know that actually the apple landed exactly there and you can predict it exactly because en energy, matter and energy take over. Matter and energy take over, but the information started it all. The information was needed to then let the experiment run by itself. So the information is me releasing the apple and releasing the potential energy. Okay. So potential energy in my head was information. The information that the apple is here, and if I let go, it could fall. Mm -hmm. Potential energy is when I have a cup on my desk or this microphone right here, this has the potential to fall onto the ground if it slips off the desk. If I slide this off the desk right now, it has potential to fall. It's just information. It's a program ready to run. It's that program ready to run. The program of the apple falling is ready to run, but what time? When? Randomly, when should I push it off? Or intentionally, when? Yeah, yeah. But there has to be an observer. There has to be information given to the system. Otherwise, the system has no existence. It's abstract. It's just a concept. It's an idea. Hey, let's play, let's play a joke on Isaac Newton, dude. Let's drop an app on his head tomorrow. Let's see what happens. That's abstract, but it's also an idea. Mm-hmm. But when you drop the apple on Newton's head, it's like, when should we drop it? Let's drop it at lunchtime. Let's drop it when he's in the bathroom. No, let's drop it when he's under that damn tree. He's reading a book all day. Let's drop it and interrupt his book. And then you choose intentionally or randomly when to let go of that apple. And that becomes a real reality, an instance in computer science. 
So when you have an apple that might fall, it's potential energy. Potential. When you release the energy is when you run the program to let go of the apple. To run the program, a conscious being, the observer, God, would have to push the apple with information. God doesn't push the apple with reality. God can't interact with our reality, maybe, except for information. The information of when to let go of the apple, but maybe there was actually energy added to let go of the apple. I don't know. But the idea is something had to happen to initiate reality, to initiate that timeline. That timeline is the apple falling 10 seconds, 100 seconds. But what if that apple fell a mile? What if that apple fell forever? That's the Big Bang. You lost when you start me. a timeline, okay. it's like pushing, it's like Newton's first law. For every motion, for everything that moves, it just keeps moving. Until something stops it. Yeah, the conservation of them. Okay. So the potential energy that you release will keep playing until it reaches a new equilibrium. A new equilibrium was when the program ends naturally, but a program can go on forever if nothing stops it. If there's no floor, the apple will keep falling forever. That's Newton's first law, right? Law of motions, yeah. right? The motion, if something goes, it goes on forever unless something stops it. So when you run an experiment in reality, you need to give information from the observer point of view. Whatever the observer is, the observer of the experiment, the God that runs the experiment. But what the observer did was the observer changed the equilibrium of the experiment. The observer pushed the cup off. The observer pushed my microphone off. The observer pushed the apple off. Let go of the apple, whatever happened. The observer initiated a new timeline. Okay. And they represent time itself. So you, as a conscious soul, you create time. You create time with the decisions that you make in your life. When you unlock anger, love, you unlock potential, energy in the universe. The energy that you choose for love can be released. And you have a better experience. Everyone loves you. You have more love around you. The world becomes a better place. But you also have the potential to knock this microphone off. <laughs> to beat your wife, to cheat on you know, your, your taxes, to screw your boss, to be racist, to do anything negative, you release potential energy as well. Yeah, there's so many options though. It's basically the laws of information. Information itself is the third force of nature. In fact, it's the ruling force of nature. Information creates matter and energy. The information of the game was created by a rule set, the laws of the universe. The information of where the chess pieces are is a memory of the universe and where we are. All we are is a memory of the universe and where we came from. All the experience that led up to our instance being still here. 
were a memory of the apple falling, but the apple fell from somewhere. Were an infinite soul that started from somewhere was still falling, and some of us reincarnate into different bodies, but we have the same momentum. We go happens, on forever. Like, I have a question here. Like, what happens if, with the information, if it's never used, if it's just there? The information is what's available in front of you. You can't what, just yeah. make up information. You yeah, have choices. You have a t you have a timeline. Mm -hmm. Do you marry this person? Do I marry? I'm dating three girls right now because I'm a playboy. I like to I like to date. You know, and these girls like me, and they know that I'm dating multiple people. But I got I got pick one. Mm -hmm. You don't have infinite choices. You have three choices, based on the history of your of who you are and your soul, and you know why? Because all those decisions that you made worry made before to actually have these three people in front of you this Early is not your first time. rodeo this is not your first lifetime you've done this before and you remember that you want to meet up with these three people because one of them you really liked from last time and two of them you liked from previous lifetimes and now they're all at the same time because your soul says hey i wonder if in my next lifetime i can meet all three and maybe i can pick the one i really like and that's what you you want to do because that's your, that's the thing that makes you evolve because it's interesting for you. That's the key. The universe is an evolutionary machine. You only do things, Roberto, because you find it interesting. Yeah, or entertaining. So you push buttons, you release potential energy of games that you want to play. You want to drop that apple in Newton's head. He's a, he's a soccer. He's sitting on the chair studying too much. And you release the apple because you're a jokester. Because it's interesting for you. Mm -hmm. Why the hell would you drop an apple otherwise? If it's not interesting for you, you wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting <laughs> things tend to be random. Tend to be mischievous. Tend to break from the defaults. Tend to be the outliers. Tend to be individuals. So when I was thinking about before, like a business, right? Mm -hmm. How did Fook Labs fail? How did Mass Realty fail? How did all these things fail? Well, if we failed because I was an idiot, I tried to make a group <laughs> do something an individual should be doing. An what individual part? has an apple fall on his head and the individual comes with an idea. And from that idea, a group of physicists can evolve it. But a bunch of people sitting under a tree and a bunch of apples hitting on the head, it's not going to create the same idea. New ideas have to be paved from individuals. Just like the tip of a spear or a tip of an arrow. The tip of an arrow has one point, and that point leads to two other points, to three, five, five other points, and to the other parts of the blade, and it gets wider and wider, and more and more people get involved. Mm -hmm. And with the tip of the spear. Jesus is the tip of the spear. God is the tip of spear. The president is the, maybe the tip of the spear. I don't know. Depends on how your perspective is, if, if, he's, if he's powerful enough. But the tip of the spear in companies is the CEO, the founders. Right? The tip of the spear is Mass Realty is us, right? So we haven't found a sharp tip yet for Mass Realty. We haven't found a sharp tip yet for everything from Fook Labs, but we found some good sharp tips. And we actually have that tip now. 
and I know the rest will come naturally. Because the individual creates the information, gets the information from either the imagination or from God, from the quantum realm, from copying someone else. I don't know what, but it has to do with information. Information then leads to choices. Then as a startup entrepreneur, you have to choose, hire this person, hire this person, fire this person, don't fire this person. But you have to live with the timeline that you choose. Because a relationship with a person is a timeline that will be intertwined with your timeline. Because we're both timelines, me and you, Roberto, right? Yep. And this audience, this audience that's listening to us, when you come and listen to us, your timeline's intertwined with our timelines. And you have to choose, do, do you want to listen more and hang out with this timeline? And if you hang out with this timeline, then what happens is the benefit to you as a timeline is you get randomness introduced to you by us. Yeah, maybe something you never thought of will come up. Well, no, just the laws of information. Mm -hmm. So basically my theory is you have this bubble of existence. The bubble of existence is you touching this molecule, touching that molecule, and every molecule that's in the room, you have a resolution of reality. When you enter a room, an electron or a photon goes left or right because you exist and you observe it. The Heisenberg effect, right? Yep. Quantum physics. If you exist in a room, if you're actually in a you have a bubble of existence. That reality is real. It becomes no longer concrete. There may be a forest. I'm actually in the forest. The forest is abstract. I want to go on vacation in Paris. Paris may not even be real, right? I don't know if it's real. I'm a flat earther. Paris <laughs> on, the, on the other side of the planet is not real, right? I go to Paris. I find out it's real. So my reality, my bubble of existence has been extended and that reality actually is concrete. But what happens when someone else is in Paris? Well, I was supposed to hang out and eat sushi with my wife, but unfortunately they gave our table away to this rich guy who tipped them. So I'm really angry at my vacation because I booked this you know, dinner yeah, all, you know, all like yeah. five months ago and now they gave away to some rich dude. Get super pissed because their bubble of existence change your reality you had booked a reservation in a fancy restaurant months ahead your reality was set your timeline was set yeah and it didn't happen then someone else's timeline interrupted your timeline right so your soul contract between you dying and living is sometimes at this timeline, my son, my daughter, my wife, my best friend, the person who saved my life, I owe them karma. Or I really like them. So my timeline is going to be intertwined with their timeline. So those three girls, those three guys, those choices to marry, mm -hmm. those timelines might have been intertwined from before. And now it's just coming back to you. Your high school sweetheart, some person you met randomly and somehow you hit it off. There was first love, love on first sight. That's the timeline from before, but there's also new timelines. And that's what makes it, makes it interesting. God would not find things interesting if there was only one God, but there was other gods to play with. Children God, wife God. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like, then, then what about like applying all these principles to yourself, though? I mean, like, you started off saying that you're an introvert. 
So if you know all of this and that interaction is key to like, like self-development and just the opening to new ideas, why not be like constantly networking? Well, that's what I'm doing here. So I'm a smart dude. I have a core group mm -hmm. of friends. Yeah. Like Genghis Khan. In a previous lifetime, someone like King Arthur would have the Knights of the Round Table. And the Knights of the Round Table would be the people he works with, his co-workers at Foot Labs. Mm -hmm. Right? And then you go on a mission to save the universe. Like the Avengers. Right? And then some of the Avengers are introverts. But you're still an Avenger. Right? The Hulk doesn't like people. He gets pissed off really easily. <laughs> I'm saying he, he doesn't make friends. He gets angry. He'll kick the shit out of you. So he doesn't have any friends because so, he doesn't want to hurt them. Does that make sense? It does. Now, I have friends. I have, I'm not, I don't have friends. I want to have friends, but I'm kind of difficult to work with sometimes because I'm, I'm a perfectionist, right? I, I like things a certain way mm -hmm. to be perfect. Not because I'm a perfectionist because I'm an asshole, because I've seen things fail. Yeah. I'll give you a warning. This is going to not be good for us. And then I'll give you more warnings. And at some point, I blow my top. I know that about myself. So I tell all the people who work for me, hey, that's what happens. But 99% of the time, I'm pretty cool. Like this, right? Mm -hmm. I have the no, 1%, but you can, you can call that passion. You can it call is. that being an asshole. You can call that like, oh, bad management. You can call that anger. You can call that being the Hulk. But you have to have a little, I said this to all the people who work for, for me as an entrepreneur, you have to have a little asshole in you. Because you have well, to be willing like, to fire people. Yeah, you definitely. have to be willing to fight for your rights when you have a vendor who screws you. You have to have the competition in you so that when someone steals your client, you get pissed and you try to steal that back. Or you want to compete for a contract because you, know, you, you want to win. You have to have the killer instinct. And sometimes that comes off as a perception of aggression, of you pushing people around, of you wanting it your way only, of a perception of you being you know authoritarian but let me tell you this my friend mm -hmm. have you ever laid off anyone in your life i did how did it feel it kind of sucks but at the end of the day like it's either it's, it's not personal yeah but you do that hundreds of times yeah then and then you realize that it could have been prevented yeah, yeah. and like then you realize the mistake way. you know what i said mm -hmm. you got 10 ways to to operate the company you can be a nice guy all the time and then when you lay off everyone, everyone's your friend. You can stay in contact maybe, but you don't. You don't stay in contact really because people move no. on to other jobs and stuff, yeah. right? I'll add you on LinkedIn. And then, and then it's all lovey-dovey, but guess what happens? You lost. You lost. You got your ass kicked, but you were the nice guy who everyone liked. But mm -hmm. guess what? Nice guys don't win. The no, no, people who win are ruthlessly honest. When you say you do A and you overpromise and underdeliver. And I promise you something and I deliver. That's not a business relationship. No, there's an imbalance there. Correct. So how do you behave in that imbalance? Well, you can be patient with that person. That's called family. That's called friends. That's called charity. Well, I mean, like, there's ways in a of business that's called death. Well, in a business that's called trying to take a square and put it into a circle. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, you have to have some patience and to communicate and improve those folks. But at some point, you have to realize that there's a boundary. Yeah. Because either you 
treat them as an individual higher than the team, or you value value the team and what we are trying to do, and they don't fit anymore. You're gonna pick yeah. the team. No, definitely. You're gonna pick your mission, and you're gonna pick success. That is the hardest thing that I had to learn. Well, it's not an easy task to learn, like at all. Like to actually figure out what to do. But I feel like there's steps in between that could be taken, though. Like if you, you said, if, you, if you all if you really of them. But imagine, like, if I, you saw I, potential in somebody. I, I do. Yeah, but so that's for why example, you... I would I would talk to them. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I have a checklist because okay. I've done this so many different times. I try to be super nice, try super asshole, super nice. And here's how you do it, right? You say, look, there's five things I need you to do here. Yep. When you hire someone, you say, I need five things. If you don't do these five things, it's not going to be a good fit. I've hired you because I think you have this skill, this skill. I have, you have two things out of the five things that are very, very good. Mm -hmm. And I think those three things that I need, I think Work I can improve or teach yep. you. You check in on them, you check in on them, check in on them, and then at some point, none of those things progress. And in fact, maybe those two things are actually not even two, they're just one thing. Because I was wrong <laughs> about you. Yes, like my bad. Now, once you realize that, mm -hmm. there are two ways you can behave. You can be a nice guy, string them along, teach them, teach them, teach them, teach, teach them as much as you can, train them. And sometimes the one becomes a two, maybe becomes a three out of five things, but they'll never get to five. Rarely do they get to five. And guess what? When they get to five, here's what I thought. They'll be loyal to you. They'll think you're a really nice guy. They'll give you the respect that you need, but they don't because they went through a harsh training where they went from a two or a one to a five. And along the way, you had to beat it out of them or you had to do something out of them or you had to do something where you had to traumatize them and or maybe like had to years and years and they, they, they didn't want to have that perception of themselves. Well, that's the kind of person, though. I mean, like it, it's people, people all people don't appreciate like that, right? I don't. I think there's people that appreciate some tough love. They they will, but they don't want go. They don't want to go back to high school and relive high school. They want to go move on to college and be a new person who is successful by default, with no history and no baggage. Well, it depends how you approach things in life, though. I mean, like, let, let's say, for example, I used to have this this uh, when when I was in college, we were all there modeling our stuff. I was in my second year, I think, and. Some people got super offended by constructive criticism from the teacher, and people like storm out or cry or something. And then there were the like the rest of us that were there in understanding the the whole like why is this teacher telling me this and just taking in the information, applying it to what you get, learn, and thank you for being a douche to me or free or seeing it in the, in, the, in the very blunt way. But it is a type of person. No, no, no. I'm saying there's there's a degree to the appreciation that you would have as an apprentice to someone, mm -hmm. right? Okay. But let's say I go to the Genghis Khan times. Yeah. Let's go, I go to the Knights of the Round Table, right? Mm -hmm. There's a blood oath. There's mm -hmm. there's a one for all and all for one in the form of musketeers. I've looked for that my whole everything. life. Okay. I've looked, I looked for that and I'm telling you, my employees, mm -hmm. no matter how much you treat them, there's going to be a distance that you have. And even other people, right? There'll be a distance that you have. It's very, very, very few people who meet my criteria or actually that criteria, period. I don't think that's a very hard criteria. You promise me something, you do it. I promise you something, we do it. And we're cool about it. We communicate. 
and I, I got you back. You got your back, my back. It's not because I need you to give me something. It's because I love you. And I've done that to many people in my life. My my life, like I'm telling you, many people have let me down. But that's okay, because this soul is pure in terms of like my hope for other souls, for other timelines that one day I will interact with, and mm -hmm. I have that with my kids. Because I see the thing is, I thought that it didn't exist. I thought it did exist. I thought it didn't exist. But with my kids, I know it exists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know it exists that those souls, they're pure and they're beautiful. And they're going to have the resonance of my soul. And my time is going to affect their timeline. And my timeline is going to evolve their timeline. Just like, you know, they will evolve me as a parent. I learn from them too. So I know there's hope. But on this planet, I don't think there's many good timelines that match my frequency there's definitely like some people that are just not worth it though so that that's for sure but i feel that no, i think i have to go to asia i might have to go back to vietnam because <clears throat> you know vietnamese people let me talk about vietnamese people right? how, how we think and that's maybe why i have this culture shock right okay i don't have a word for you roberto i have to call you am and you have to call me an you are my am i am your un. how okay. old are you roberto 37. I'm 45. Right? You have to know that. Mm -hmm. Before you meet me, or when you meet me, you have to check out if you should, you should call me An or Am. Now, okay. you call me An yeah. by default. I call you An by default. I don't know your age. I call you An. Okay. Big brother. The one that I should respect more in the relationship. And you, you are my am. If I say, hey, get me some coffee, you get me coffee. If you tell me to get coffee, I'll be like, what? <laughs> I'm serious. It is, yeah, I know it is. If it I is say familiar. you am, 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 you basically have to do it. Yeah. Because you would not be following Vietnamese tradition. Because the respect of your elders, mm -hmm. of your family, the word you and me, it's ingrained into you from day one. Okay. Right? But you can fix that. When, when like, you have your mom and your dad, yeah. and they get old, they live with you. Your kids live mm -hmm. with you till they're 20 something, 30 something. Yeah, yeah. You live in oh. a compound. Yes. And you die, and they bury you in the backyard. It's like here we don't bury you in the backyard, but it's definitely the same thing. Like I have some of my friends that are still living with their parents because they're in Ecuador, yes. Yeah, and then that's called like, abnormal yep. in America. I mean, I have some cousins that have failed to be like able to subsist on their own and to exist and survive in the real world. So I feel that my uncles and aunts have failed as as an and as what do you call this? Like somebody that gives you education or that teaches you how to live because their kids are not able to. You've had 30 years to prepare this individual for life and they're not capable. Whose so fault I, I is feel that? like exactly. See, the like, thing is you make it is like the parents made that choice for them. No, what happens is the parents give them opportunities. They yeah. give them a timeline, possibility of timelines. And then the soul has to pick that timeline that they, they gravitate towards. 
Okay. And as a parent, I used to think that it was something that you did. Okay. It is actually something you did. Fifty percent. What you did was you presented timelines for them, possibilities. Now, if you present bad possibilities, and you don't educate them about how to choose those possibilities, those t- possible doors that open and close, should you say something rude or should you say something nice to someone? You, should you take a risk or should you be conservative? Should you eat the broccoli that I gave mm-hmm. you or should you starve to death? Or should you just miss that meal? You're not going to starve to death, and it'll teach you a lesson. Yeah, I'm all for this. The, the parents can close possible timelines that are ideal for you. But can I really complain? It's like my kids are like cups. And then I pour in it something. And then I taste that and it tastes like, like this is tastes horrible. It's my fault. What did I put in there? Because you're the one. You that they don't like? Yeah, no, like, like just like if, if seeing children as this like empty, like, as a vessel for whatever information you're going to put in them and try to like guide them up to a certain extent. And then I can't complain if they turn out wrong. What you need to do is think about mm-hmm. the information, the laws of yeah. information. Yeah. You are a God in this experiment. Yes. Cause the kids can't go to work. They can't make money. They can't buy things. They can't really exactly. do anything. You, you are create a universe. universe. You basically a universe. You, you create the universe. You're a God to the child, right? Yes. When you think about that, you get to pretend you're a god and you get to practice being god. That's your evolution as a parent. As a parent, you have to know the right information to present to the kids. You can beat them with matter and energy. You can do all those things, but ultimately it's the information that matters. The information of the love that you give them, the advice you give them, the choices you give them. But there is some matter and energy in terms of the physical goods you can give them. Some people are rich, can give them ponies and you know vacations in Paris. Some people can give them a hug and give them a baked uh, piece of cake. Now, if my mom baked me some cake versus some person who bought me a really fancy cake, it could be the same type of love. But one might actually feel better because it's made from time. Yeah, and there's the effort as well. It's like something that should be taken into consideration. So when you have your relationship with your child, you teach your child, but you also teach yourself. Yes. How to teach people how to become a god one day to a society, to a universe, to yourself. Because you get to relive your youth. And then you get to see from the observer point of view all the mistakes you made and how you were kind of like kind of messed up and thought all these random things and how kind of like, you know, incompetent you were, how lazy you were, how whatever it is. And then you protect that on your kids and your own history and your timeline intertwines with their timeline. And you can change your timeline because now you can live that memory again through your kids. So it's a form of time travel. Yeah. No, but at the same time, like, I feel like it's a kind of a slippery slope before you start projecting what you would have liked onto them. Well, what you want to do Mm -hmm. is you want to relive your life through their eyes. That's basically a copy of you, half of it. Yeah. And through their eyes, 
if you had to live your life again, it's a practice for your, re your next reincarnation. Okay? If you reincarnated again, who do you want your parents to be? How would your parents treat you? How would you react to the parents? You get to see it from the observer, from the parent point of view. And then you die and you get to relive it from the child point of view. Now, you can be wiser than your parents. You can mm -hmm. be Jesus. Yeah. And Mother Mary is not as wise as you, right? And your dad is not even your real dad. That kind of sucks for him, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he's a nice guy. And he took care yeah. of you and you love him. And you can teach both of them, right? So souls, I used to think, oh, yeah, my son is going to be better than me automatically. My daughter is going to be automatically better than me. But what if their soul is actually less, right? And it's okay because you're trying to, you know, I'm trying to raise that soul, right? But maybe the soul is actually better than me, and you can learn something from your kids. Yeah, definitely. You can learn patience. You can learn that, like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be so angry yelling at my child. She just cried, mm -hmm. and I feel like a shithead. And I should be I should be less angry. I should stop drinking. Yeah. No, no. No, there's definitely some cues that they, they give you that you have to learn to, to be able to visualize and see. Right. Or you maybe had you had something where you want your kid to do something, mm -hmm. and your kid can't achieve it. Can't achieve it because they're not smart enough. They're not beautiful enough. They're not yeah. talented enough. They can't do that enough. And you realize, you know what? Winning isn't so important. Well, there's some things as well. I mean, maybe like, it is. I don't know. Maybe you learn that you know you push them so much, and they get mad at you, then you you don't have a good relationship. But either way, yeah. Sorry. But there's there's a this thing that sometimes, like I, I say it in my own cases, like. I see something that is clearly like easily that I could do no problem. Like, like for example, I know like a cartwheel and then your kid just can't do a cartwheel and you're like, but what the hell is happening? And then you have to take this step back and acknowledge the fact that there's half of something else in there as well. And that this it's a, it's a team effort that has to be like taken into account with this like karma situation and trying to fix and learn things. Because two people made this, it's like the, the kid is two halves. So well, the fact that some some aspects that make you realize things might not even be your mistakes or your karma to fix. You have to know mm -hmm. when your soul is different from your child's soul. Yeah. And then sometimes they make a choice that's different from yours. Maybe they can't do cartwheels because the reason you got the cartwheels is you were so fascinated by cartwheels. Mm -hmm. That you practice a lot and you got really good at it. And you forgot how hard it was for you to practice doing cartwheels. And this is something that you actually appreciate not of, of yourself now. Because yeah. you realize that, oh, my kid is really good at everything, but he can't do cartwheels. It's actually quite complicated. Or riding a bike. You realize, you know, riding a bike is actually a skill that I have. You know, that's that actually quite hard. And you take yourself for granted. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe like, degree, yeah, right? saying, like maybe it was your wife. She couldn't do cartwheels to save her life. But... Like that's that's her karma to fix through her through her child or. If but anything. why does it matter that your kid does cartwheels, but your wife you never really bothered to to check to see if she can do cartwheels to before you married her? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So why is it so important to you that your kid can do cartwheels, uh -huh. but your best friend can't do cartwheels, and you never even asked him he can do cartwheels? Yeah, yeah. Why is it so important to you? It's about you, not the kid. Yeah, probably. Like you've never been faced with a situation until it's your no. responsibility. I think it's about you. Mm -hmm. having an expectation of what kids are supposed to like and supposed to do. And yeah. if they're not doing that, you're not being a good parent. Maybe. 
Maybe like or maybe your kid's not good enough. I don't know what either way. But the whole <laughs> idea is like it's like the idea is you have expectations. Yes. And the expectations set timelines. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you expect them to do uh, be a ballerina, and subconsciously you watch lots of movies and you take them to ballerina shows and you buy dresses that are ballerina colors and you you say hey you should be ballerina you give them lessons and stuff like yeah. that. So want. you basically are choosing to take your timeline and interact with another timeline, but you have to really think about it. Like, is that timeline really yours? Or are you just moving it a little bit? You're in charge of it. Yeah, you're, you're moving it a little bit, but ultimately their soul is their soul. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like you, when if you hang out with your best friend, and he's really into rock climbing, and he's really good at it, and you kind of yeah, like it, but it's yeah, not, it's not much for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with your kid. If you're really into rock climbing and you have a child and they're not into rock climbing, don't make like, them. Let, let it go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let it go, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. But that's also something that they will then have time to manifest a different reality. Because when you allow them to have a different timeline, they unlock other doors. Yeah, definitely. And then all of a sudden, you find out they're not good at rock climbing. And that's why they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But they're very good at swimming. Yeah, and now they're going to the Olympics, and then Michael Phelps. Like, there you go. He can't climb for shit, but he can swim for, for awesome. <laughs> and now you're going to the Olympics with your son, and he's so proud of him. You open your eyes to yourself swimming, and now you're a terrible swimmer, but you love swimming too. <laughs> so now the roles are reversed. <laughs> you're a terrible swimmer, and your son can swim, but you're really good at rock climbing. Yeah. So now you learn how to be bad at something and good at something, and at the same time you have karma, and and, and that's what makes it interesting. That. So hopefully you find the show interesting, guys. This is what the Fook Podcast. Well, information is the third force of nature. And you just got some downloaded information today. Hopefully you come join us at other shows. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for See having you guys us. next time. Take care.